0: Are listening to T Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging and exciting conversation
1: on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. What's up everybody? How's it going? Welcome to Radiant Culture. My name is Cookie Monster. And today, once again, I'm with the one and only. Yeah. Introduce yourself, right? Uh, they, I don't need to introduce myself. They know me. Okay, they know you, Mr. Kent. Yes, yes, A.K.A. Yes, Pastor yes. Kent, the man, AKA the man, Kent, the man in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, today it's we good have, yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's it's good to have you. It's always good to have you, most of the time. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a very special guest. Um, this guy, I I like to call him our. our resident theologian and if anybody's got issues with that you should just come and talk to him yourself you, you'll understand what i <laughs> oh, mean this, no, guy, no. Pressure. this guy this guy this <laughs> guy yeah this guy is just deep Kouwaza, how's it going man how's it man nice to have you great to be back yeah anyway we're gonna we're gonna dri- we're gonna dive rather straight into the topic today because um this is a personal favorite of mine Um, Well, in terms of it's it's a topic that I I struggle with quite a lot, I tend to grapple with this one Touch not my anointed (laughs) We want to talk about that today because, you know, I I think throughout my uh, journey as a Christian I've heard this verse used in multiple contexts But one of the major ones is in the context of church leadership Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about that a little bit today, guys what what does this actually mean? What touch not my anointed. I'm sure I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. But the funny
2: thing is none of my church members have ever defended me in that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> so maybe I'm not as anointed as as other yeah, sure. Pastors But yeah But I'm very familiar <laughs> I don't come to your
1: church So I can't say anything I can't make any comments there
2: But I'm very familiar I've seen it a lot And you know Especially on social media You know You You question Or you raise um, You know A query about uh, Any man of God uh, Any popular man of God And their followers Will come at you Touch not the anointed <laughs> And uh, Yeah But I'm not saying they're wrong we just want to understand. And we're not what, saying
1: they're what's right this? either,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're going to see those comments.
1: <laughs> no, but you know, what, what I find fascinating is that, um, and just to give this as a disclaimer, we, we really want to talk about this. And of course, we're not targeting any, any ministry or trying to throw shade on any particular church leader here, but we just want to talk about the subject yeah. itself so that we can arrive at some truth, right, yes. So that's what we want to do. So if you feel like we're attacking your church or your man of God or your woman of God or whoever, then maybe you need to check your heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Nice let's you know, start. <laughs> Kuwaza. Let's let's get into this. Yeah. What what is it with with this scripture? In fact, mm-hmm. before we even get there, what what is it about not touching God's anointed?
0: Okay. So I would like to. Go back to where you had begun, uh, Cookie Monster, and uh, start with the scripture. Yeah. It's uh, Psalm 105 from around verse 13 to 15. And it's actually in the middle of uh, a history lesson, or it's a celebration of the history of the people of Israel. Right. So <laughs> the person who wrote it is actually detailing how the, uh, Abraham was called out and then how the people of Israel developed, and then the patriarchs. And then it comes to that point where it says that even though they were few in number, the Lord allowed no one to oppress them, uh-huh. saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do, do my, my prophets God. no harm. Yeah. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were prophets. Yeah. Uh, the word prophet uh, you see it first in Genesis 20, verse 6, and it is referring to Abraham, it's the first time it's used in the Bible. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, when he's talking about the prophets, he's talking about the patriarchs. Um, Because they were prophets, and you know, a prophet is a person who hears from God and speaks Mm, what God is saying. Uh, So God regarded them as prophets, and they were anointed. And the word anointed means to be consecrated. It has uh, connotations of this and that and the other thing, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, I think. But it just basically means someone who's consecrated, who's separated and set apart to someone or to something. So they were set apart to God, and the something was the purpose of uh, really basically carrying... Uh, the revelation of who God was into uh, the whole world. So basically, that's what the scripture was talking about. It's a history lesson. But people have co-opted it to mean that it's referring to the man of God of their church, the anointed ones or the prophets. Any prophet who's a prophet, do my prophets no harm. That scripture refers to them. I do not believe from the context. That's what it's saying. So,
1: Okay, so... What then do we um, deduce from, from that background that you just gave? Because you, you're saying that the Bible, the Bible is referring to Abraham and the other <clears throat> mm-hmm. leaders, the fathers mm-hmm. of the nation of Israel, right? Um, and that the scripture is referring to, to them in particular. Mm-hmm. So or is, it, is it just them in particular or is it talking about the whole nation of Israel?
0: Okay, so it's, it's, it's the fathers, because if you read the history, it goes on to talk about Joseph and how he was sent ahead uh, during the famine. And then it goes on to speak about how the people of Israel then grew and then came out of Egypt. So it's a history lesson, really, the Psalm 105. So that okay. particular portion is speaking about the patriarchs, because it moves from the patriarchs and then talks about Joseph. Because remember, Joseph is after Jacob. Uh-huh. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are the prophets being spoken about and it's referring to how Isaac also had some issues with the people around him who envied him when he was digging wells and people would take his well and then he had to move to another place. Abraham had the same issue with, with Abimelech when uh, Abimelech wanted his wife and also the king of Egypt wanted his wife on, on two occasions and he had to say, it's my sister. Same thing with Isaac again, he had to do that to say, "This is oh, my sister that put that there? Like- <laughs> oppression from the kings that, that's what he's talking about there will be, he allowed no one to oppress them
1: but wasn't Sarah wasn't Sarah like old then wasn't she, she one advanced? yeah I've yes?
2: always yeah, she was like she was
0: so she was
1: like she she was, fly yeah, she and, was and
2: literally pretty old
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Wow>.
0: <laughs> pretty old. <laughs> Because I've always
1: always wondered that, okay, what's the big idea? And then Isaac does the same thing again.
0: Yeah.
2: Like father, like son. Exactly.
0: It's likely that uh, the father would have passed that on, you know, through oral tradition of how God delivered him, you know. So, you know, one day, son, you know, your, your mom, before you're born, I had to go to Egypt because there was a famine. And yeah. then the guy thought your mom was pretty fly. And then he says, you know, moral of the story, son, you can always trust God. You know what I mean? Right, so yeah. it's possible yeah. that it could have been passed down. And then he maybe thought it was a good idea just to copy what dad did uh, when he got into the same situation.
1: Okay. Wow,
2: interesting. Okay, so I understand. So basically, you're saying that that scripture has been misconstrued. But well, my question yes. now is uh-huh. that, even though it's been misconstrued or misused yes. in terms of the context that it was written, yes. is there any truth in that statement in itself? Okay. In the way that people use it, I'll give you an example. Uh-huh. Uh, in Numbers 12. Yes. Um, when uh, miriam and aaron mm-hmm. you know um despise moses's wife mm-hmm. and they complain to god and they start saying no why is this the guy the only leader is you know does yes. god only speak to moses yes and then god got angry yeah and he responded with some pretty harsh words and yeah. he says um and i'll read and it's, it's from verse um i think it's six
3: mm-hmm.
2: it says listen to my words when there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. Oh. He is faithful in my house. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees from the Lord. Were you not then afraid to speak against my servant? All oh, right.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's another scripture that's used uh, to back that whole, touch not my anointed. Yeah. Well, I'd say you know what I found with scripture is sometimes you can take a scripture out of its context, but be applying it to a principle of scripture that's actually true. Okay. So you're yeah. using the text wrongly. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite ones is the whole "have life and have life abundantly." People uh-huh. use that as a prosperity scripture, but Jesus was talking about the life itself being abundant. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's, we're not talking about that how so, You but yeah, <laughs> but 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 you can make a case from the scriptures yeah. with regard to prosperity and abundance. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. But you you shouldn't use that scripture in particular because it's not talking about that. Yeah. So the same thing with that scripture about you know do my prophets no harm, it's not speaking about that. But then it's also touching on when people use it that way they're use they're talking about a principle in scripture that's actually there and that's captured in that uh, text uh, of Numbers twelve. Mm-hmm. What I will say about that is. The issue with, uh, with that particular situation wasn't that God, well, it wasn't that God was angry with them because they challenged Moses, but it is the, the attitude of their hearts that God was not happy with, because in the kingdom of God, God has set what other you might hear preachers talk about rank. Uh Or hierarchy of authority Mm -hmm. Uh, there are different levels of authority yes uh, based on the grace that someone would have received from God yeah so what these guys did they said is it only by Moses by you actually they they said it to him it's only by you that God has spoken He's not spoken by us as well Uh so one thing that happens uh, in the body of Christ sometimes is when people are getting ready to put someone down who's of a higher level or higher authority the first thing they try to do is to equalize Okay. Yeah. We're all anointed. Yeah. Who's all anointed here? You know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's the first thing. And once you, you equalize, then you're giving yourself uh, the platform to say whatever you want to say to this person that you would not have said if you were recognizing their authority. Okay. So what they did there was they equalized and said, you, you know, you're a prophet, sure, but so are we. And then God comes in and basically says, well, you are prophets, but there's a difference. When I speak to any prophet like you two guys, it's in a vision, it's in a dream. But when I speak to Moses, it's face to face. Mm -hmm. So there's an issue of rank and authority. You're not on the same level as Moses. So why did you approach him and speak? Why were you not not afraid to speak the way that you spoke to Moses? I'll give you something else. If you look at how his father-in-law also came and rebuked Moses. Mm-hmm. Right, remember that. I said, yes. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you do, giving all these judgments by yourself? You're going to yeah. wear yourself out. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have God coming in and saying, What are you doing? This is my face to face prophet. Leave him alone. Yeah, okay. You see much. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an issue of this is a father figure. Ah. He is speaking into the life of someone who is below him and saying, What you're doing is incorrect. He's, and he's correcting that. Mm. Okay, Here's yes. guys who are speaking as it were up to someone as if they were on the same level. Yeah. And that's what God is against because He took a Cushite woman, which was wrong anyway. So it's not that God was backing him up and saying no, it's was okay. Was it wrong? It was according to the law that He had brought from the mountain. Unless you're saying that He wasn't under the law, you know? But the law had uh, forbidden intermarriage, and that's how Balaam had managed to get,
2: okay, yeah, okay, uh, you makes know, the people sense, of
0: Israel yeah. to, to 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 sin. I know that's later in Numbers, but the principle is that he he used that kink. Or understanding that they are not allowed to intermarry. Okay. So it was incorrect for him to do that.
1: Can I just ask a question? I actually want to question something that you mentioned. That this whole thing about rank. Before we proceed. Yeah. Um, How How do we know that someone is anointed? Right, because Uh we can easily assume that because someone has started a church, Uh they're anointed, or because someone's got a huge following they are anointed right yeah and what what is the sign or the indication that someone is actually anointed by god okay yeah
0: so i think first of all we have to ask ourselves what it means to be anointed yeah yeah um and it's a bit of a tragedy i think because of usage in the body of christ of the words or of the phrases you know some words get used People talk about anointings you know yeah, but yeah. you go to the scripture especially in the New Testament people don't talk about having anointings mm-hmm. it's just something that people catch on and then it just because you know goes into common usage
2: right
0: um, so uh, to say that someone is anointed every one of us is anointed as uh first second actually second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says we are anointed because we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. So everyone is anointed. Mm-hmm. But what separates us now is the measure of grace that we receive from the Lord. That's why people call anointings. But when you look at Ephesians 4, verse 7 into 8, it says, but grace has been given to each of us as Christ has apportioned it. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it talks about how the Holy Spirit has given a manifestation of the Spirit to each one as he wills. Mm-hmm. So these are, they're called manifestation or gifts of the Spirit or ministry gifts in the New Testament And that's what people will then call anointings. Uh So someone who is anointed will have a particular grace. Grace. And the way it manifests itself will be in whatever they are called to do, they'll have an extraordinary capacity to do it that is beyond what their human ability could have achieved. So if it's a congregation of people coming together, what are they coming together around? Is it a gift? If the person is a prophet, Mm. you know, if the person is an apostle, there will be signs. Paul said the, the signs that mark out an apostle. Signs one is miracles were done amongst you with perseverance. You know, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. He said to the to the Corinthian uh-huh. church. So these are all evidences that we can say. Ah, oh, so he has a church that's actually thriving. You know, because if you're not an apostle and you don't have the grace for it, you can start out and you'll strike out.
1: Okay, so Paul also goes on to talk about um, partaking of his grace. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So is that the same kind of grace there, or is that grace in a different context?
0: Well, you we have to be careful with that one, because <clears throat> sorry, if you look at that, it's you—it's the KJV that says that. But if you go to other translations, even other literal translations that are not the KJV, you will find that he says, they translate it as you are partakers with me of grace Mm. and not
1: partakers Uh of my grace. I say this because I've heard this scripture being used multiple times. Yes, so
0: so what you'll find uh, is that there are some churches where the main uh, Bible they use is the KJV and these are more like your word of faith churches I, I'm not trying to strike out at any word yeah. of ch- uh, ch- uh, word of faith church. Uh-huh. Just put it out there. Or else I'll be lynched you when know, next people see me. You know, <laughs> but it's I, I, but it's it's a fact. I mean, you find most of them will use KJV in the, you know when they're preaching on the screen. That's what's coming up, uh-huh. the dows and the arts and so forth. So the, if you want to have a balance. Because of the way the KJV was translated, you want to have a look at other translations that are as literal. It's the most literal translation, right? Uh, but other literal translations you know, also exist. Your ESVs, ESVs your yeah. um, uh, H- HCSV, uh, NASB, yeah. So you want to compare that, and most of the time you'll find it says, you are partakers with me of grace, not partakers of my grace.
1: Okay, uh-huh. that's, that's very interesting. Because where, where this is leading to for me is, I wanna I wanna understand um, how how then do we get to a point where um, you know? In fact, let, let me let me backtrack a bit. In, in a lot of churches mm-hmm. globally, I think yeah. right, a lot of uh, Pente, Pente, Pentecostal churches, you've got uh, a lot of personality-driven churches, right? Yeah, yeah. Where there's these big names and the great preachers, they Great personalities and they're probably anointed as well. Yeah. But then these people have huge followings around them. Here in, in Zim, we've seen a proliferation of um, prophetic ministries. Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. The the question that I always have is especially after interacting with some of the adherents. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, how do you Confront, maybe not confront, but how, how do you critique even, okay. right, a message that's being preached? Uh-huh. How do you hold a leader accountable okay. when they've got that much clout, when they're yeah. respected by everybody, when everyone is bowing down to them? Yes, is there an accountability structure for a leader like that? Is yes. there, um, what is the risk that a leader with that level of influence can actually okay. lead people astray? Yeah, you, you see what I'm trying to say. I see, I see where you're coming from with yeah, that. yeah, because they are they're Lord's. untouchable exactly don't touch them yeah Yeah, so so those questions um plague me sometimes okay
2: yeah um sorry before you actually define what it is to be anointed
0: yeah i think we we touched on that um Okay. okay so to be anointed so what i basically said that uh to be anointed is basically everyone is anointed once you are born again okay you are anointed so it basically but, means to be set apart. To be set apart, exactly. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Okay. And cool. to have the Holy Spirit, okay. because that's what you know the anointing you, know, to, you know, okay. sort of speaks of. Okay. Uh, we can always talk about that a bit more, I, I guess, about what anoint the anointing is. Okay. The anointing is two things. Yeah. It's a spiritual endowment. Yeah. That you receive that empowers you to do the work of ministry that you're called to, and then it's also the person of the Holy Spirit. So if you read in first. Uh, First John chapter 2, verse 27, it says you have the anointing that teaches you all things. So there's no way that something can teach you that's not a person. Uh-huh. So once you hear teaching, we're talking about a person. And it talks about the anointing teaches you about all things. It is not counterfeit, but it is genuine and teaches you that you ought to abide in Christ. So the anointing is a person. It is also an endowment.
2: It's the Holy Spirit, to be clear.
0: It can, in, depending on the context, okay. it is the Holy Spirit or it is what the Holy Spirit brings. So, so Jesus, the Christ, okay. of course, we know that Christ was not his surname. It meant that he was anointed. The, anointed, the Spirit of yeah. God came upon him yes. and rested on him. Yeah. So he was anointed because of the Spirit of yeah. God working in him and being on his life yeah. in a permanent sort of way.
2: So Cookie Monster has to leave. He's got some very important business to take care of. So um, he's oh, going to be substituted man, by Super man. Sub, T-Mac.
3: <laughs> what up, what In the World
2: Cup spirit. Tech team. <laughs> cool. So thank you for joining us, T-Mac. Uh, and yeah, so basically we've started the conversation and um, Kowaza was basically explaining to us what the anointing is. Mm-hmm. And, I think at yeah. the point that
0: people talk about anointing and they should be talking about the grace upon a person's life. The mm-hmm. so people have got, you know, if someone is, they're saying, yeah, that one's an, one an anointed one. That one is an anointed preacher. What they're trying to say is it's got a, quite a measure of the gift, maybe of teaching, maybe mm-hmm. or yeah. of prophecy. Yeah. yeah, I've seen prophets, but that one, hey, that one is anointed. That
2: one. Yeah.
0: You know, then they'll be maybe thinking about how the guy maybe just walks in and breathes on you know, people and then they fall down, yeah. and he just goes stands next to someone. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Falling down, you know.
1: Yeah. Ah, it's an anointing.
0: Yeah <laughs> You should be around some of the circles I hang I mean, around. It's just hilarious. But
3: that makes sense to me though. Um, like if people are falling down by just walking in your shadow.
0: Yeah, so people say you are so anointed. So but it's a it's really a measure of grace, it's a measure of yeah. the power of God, which is yeah, you can talk about it as an anointing if you want to go back into the old testament. But it's the power of God. And the power of God has degrees to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so
2: talking about this grace yes. and this power that, and the gifts that we're given, right? Yeah. You get these gifts, right? And uh-huh. you operate in this gift and you yes. then have such a huge following. You yes. become a very big personality in, in the Christian circles. And yes. many people are following you and stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: We are human. Like even Moses who saw God face to face and 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 he spoke to god face to face and mm-hmm. god you know elevates him and says he's mm-hmm. different from other prophets mm-hmm. he made a lot of mistakes yeah. along the way yeah so men of god do make mistakes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. then do we then challenge mm-hmm. or query or question a man of god or and someone operating in in, in a certain gift uh-huh. right how do you? What's the accountability system? Do we just let them, you know, and just hope
3: God will deal with them. Deal
2: with them, or is there a place for the followers to say, Ah, but she, man of God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't agree with that message, or I don't agree with that direction. I don't agree with. Because what usually happens, and it's the sad reality, is that once someone rises up to question a man of God, it's usually the person who questions yeah. that gets into trouble. And people Absolutely. look at them and say, hey, how dare you question the man of God? This <laughs> is the man of God. Yeah. And then you get cast out of the ministry or yes. get reprimanded and whatever. Yeah.
0: Yes. But
2: what's on a biblical level, what's the, the accountability system? Okay, supposed so to look like
0: this is a multifaceted question that i'll try and handle um from different ways the first thing i'd say is if anyone's listening and you're thinking of joining a church you're considering maybe the church you're going to you're thinking about it one of the things that you should consider is to say who are the leaders of this church accountable to uh if there is no you know, maybe someone, maybe the church has just begun and they're still working it out and finding who can we be accountable to. That's still okay, but that process has to be in place. Because if you join a church where the leaders are not accountable to anybody, you might not be joining a church. You might be joining a cult. So, mm, because wow. <laughs> wherever there's no accountability, that's very cultish. You know, the only people who don't want questions asked are people with things to hide. Yeah. Jesus said that uh, if a person is, you know, is doing the things of God. They do it in the open mm. so that everyone can see that what they're doing is from God. But anyone who's doing anything evil, they love the dark. So anyone who doesn't want accountability, you are best not joining that church. Yes. I'm just putting that out there.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then coming to the issue of speaking out against a man of God or whatever. Let's go to the Bible, the different systems in churches, but let's look at what the Bible does. Now, in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 19 to 20, if I'm not mistaken, yes, 19 to 20, it says uh, Paul is is giving Timothy instructions on how to conduct himself in the church, and he says when you are dealing with the elders, firstly, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three
2: witnesses. Okay.
0: Now, what that does already is you can look at that verse on face value and think it's supporting the, do not touch the anointed. But what you need to see from that is, There is a pathway. Paul is expecting that people will bring charges. So there is a door open. People can bring charges against the elders. This is the kind of stuff that you should entertain. So Paul is leaving the door open for accountability and for people to be challenged if they've done something wrong. Okay. So he says the only kind of stuff that you're supposed to look at is when there are two or three witnesses backing it. Okay. And then we go to the next level, because just having two or three witnesses is not enough to establish guilt. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have two or three witnesses, let's investigate. Mm -hmm. Is there something to work with here? Then you go to verse 20, and then he says, the elders that sin must be rebuked publicly so that all the others may take a warning or may be in fear. And others there in the context is speaking about the other elders. So the idea is that um, he's expecting that the eldership is a team. It's a team leadership kind of a uh, setting structure, or structure. yeah. Know. That the other elders would think, eh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be made to stand up in front of the congregation and rebuked mm-hmm. in front of everyone. No thanks, you know. Um, and so you see that those are the stages from what Paul was expecting to say, if people bring charges, let's look at whether it's a, an eligible charge.
2: Yes. Yeah. It is
0: substantiated by two or three witnesses. Okay, let's investigate. If there's some wrongdoing that's been found person is rebuked in public. Yes. And Paul himself actually, you know, did that with Peter. He said, uh when Peter when I saw that Peter was not acting in line with the gospel, uh it was very clear that he was in the wrong and I rebuked him in front of them all this in Galatians chapter two. Yeah. It says, you are living like a gentile though you're a Jew. Why do you force the Gentiles to adopt Jewish practices? Yeah. So it says he says I, I rebuked him. And it's what you know it's not like because Peter had walked with Jesus, you know, he was yeah. one of the guys. You know, yeah. so if he was going to do the touch, not the Lord's anointed and all that kind yeah, of thing.
2: Saying, yeah, you know, he was
0: definitely not yeah. going to say anything. Yeah. But he recognized that Peter was an elder, as he says in First Peter chapter five, says yeah. as a fellow elder. So he's an elder, so he is to be rebuked publicly if he has sinned. Yeah. And Paul is on the same level as well because he's okay. an apostle too. Yes. So yes. the issue of rank doesn't come into it. They are of the same level. Yeah. So he's rebuking him in public for something that he's done wrong. And you don't hear Peter then saying I strike you with leprosy or whatever <laughs> you know he he adapts himself and and changes his way because he was actually in the wrong if you read the uh, the context of it mm. so that's how it would be dealt with from a biblical point of view now in the actual outworking of it you see therefore that the rebuke is not coming from the congregant yeah the congregant is bringing a charge mm. yeah okay I've seen something that's not Right here, this okay. the, the man of God and some babes and stuff like that. Whatever the case may be, you know. <laughs> someone, uh, me too. I was there, you know. Someone, yeah. Ah, yeah, we got last week uh, three yeah. witnesses. Okay. okay, can we come, man of God? Uh, this is what's being said about you. Yeah, and who's the person who's now superintending that is the spiritual covering, right? The okay. father. Paul was the father to the churches that he was sending to Timothy. Yeah, or that he was sending Timothy to Sorry. Yeah. So he was basically he would have. Uh, The authority Final authority To say okay So you're bringing These issues to me Uh, Great As the father Of uh, this individual Or or as the father Over these elders I'm now taking responsibility To lead the investigation Mm. To say okay So is there any Substance to it And then everything else The rebuking in public It's not the congregants Who stand up And then shout At the man of God In front of everybody else The person who is over them In the Lord Will do that Mm. I've been heartened to hear one of these people from the prophetic movement say, my spiritual father has the the right to come here and tell me not to preach for three months. There's another one, he's an apostle who has been in great standing in this nation for a very long time, has been in ministry for over 40 years. And he said he gives his congregation and his ministers and his pastors access to his spiritual covering, his father and the Lord, so that if they have any issues, they can just write to him or email him. They don't like how he's behaving in his marriage, or whatever reason. Mm. They have a direct line so that they can say uh, Bishop is doing this kind of thing that we don't agree with, and then uh, Bishop will get uh, a talking to. So
3: who's over, like when you go back to Paul and Timothy, who was Paul accountable to?
0: Great. Now there's levels of. Because when you keep going there, you find that Paul was accountable to the guys, the fellow apostles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when he says in Galatians chapter two, when uh, I, I got a revelation from the Lord, I mm-hmm. went with it to those who seem to be like pillars in the church. Yes, yeah. So he gets a revelation. He doesn't immediately go preaching. He says, "Lest I have been running my race in vain." Mm-hmm. I think perhaps I can read it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a. I think it's a key. Uh, passage, I don't want just to be skimming over it, but it it is in Galatians 2. And then he says, from verse 2, he says, I went up because of a revelation to Jerusalem and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Mm -hmm. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, so he was preaching the gospel that you don't need to be circumcised to be justified. Mm-hmm. We can be justified apart from the law This is the revelation he was preaching And now he brought it to the, to the guys who were seen to be like pillars He was with this guy who was not circumcised They didn't compel him to be circumcised yeah. And so he was saying um, But because of false brothers who we were brought in Who tried to bring us into slavery And so on and so forth It goes on uh, And then verse 6 And from those who seemed to be influential Those I say who seemed influential Added nothing to me on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, and when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship, fellowship yeah. to Barnabas and myself that we may go and preach this gospel. Mm-hmm. So you see there's, there's accountability. I'm not just a lone ranger, a lone wolf, because he had seen, you know, he had, Christ had visited him, yeah. you know. And he had that revelation from Christ, but he still went and was accountable to other people who were on his level, as it were. Yeah. Um, so that I think that's how it works out.
3: Okay. So when we go back to people can bring Sorry. charges. Uh huh. What sort of things would constitute a charge? Because if I just don't agree with how a pastor is using a certain scripture, mm-hmm. would that count as a charge that I can bring, or it's more like I saw him kissing somebody who is not his wife. That's a charge. Mm-hmm.
0: So a charge basically is anything that is contrary to the gospel. So if, if you look at the word of God and, you've, and whatever that person is doing is out of step with the word of God, mm-hmm. then that constitutes something that can be brought as a charge. So if he's misusing a particular scripture, that could be like, if, I would not think you should bring a charge in terms of uh, one scripture that you use in one sermon, because then it doesn't make sense. I would imagine that you've given yourself time uh, to see a pattern. Yes. Um, and so you bring that as a, as a charge. You say, well, I think we're going into heresy here. Mm-hmm. That would be a charge. Um, but remember, we said that uh, whoever is going to receive the charge is not going to entertain any accusations. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be two or three witnesses mm-hmm. uh, backing up And
3: I need evidence.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, of and course. That the looks, evidence
2: can be the second witness. Yeah,
0: it can be the second witness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Witness.
3: yeah,
2: yeah, oh, yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. I see. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Men of God, were listening to our anger.
2: Not on you yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> okay. So, so that, that, that kind of explains the whole, you know, accountability structure and how we can sort of make sure that we are not being led astray and yeah. we're on the right path. Yeah. So my next question would be, we talk about, let's, Bring the the right word, the grace, mm-hmm. the gifts, right? Mm-hmm. People operating because we're all anointed, right? Yes, yes. We're set apart. If you're born again, you've got the Holy Spirit. You're set apart. You're anointed, right? Yes. So in essence, it we can then apply what God applied to to Abraham and Isaac and mm-hmm. stuff that you know touched up my anointed. So that's yes. generally talking about all of us, yes. right? So is there a place we can actually use this? in the right context and we're actually using it right biblically. Okay. Yeah. So that would be, as you just said, I'll give you an example. Uh-huh. Um, one of my good friends mm-hmm. got prosecuted because he started speaking out um, and, and uh, challenging the government of the day. Mm-hmm. And because he's a pastor, mm-hmm. um, you know, There were people who were attacking him on social media and the public and stuff. And there are people who rose up and said, hey, touch not the anointed. Mm -hmm. So that's an example that Mm -hmm. someone is being prosecuted or persecuted wrongfully. Is that a correct context we can then now use that?
0: Well, I would say because of the nature of um, the new covenant calling, you know, we have been promised that persecution will come. If you want to lead a Godly life, you will be persecuted. That's what Second Timothy three verse twelve says. It's a promise. You yes. want to live godly. Persecution is coming. Yeah, it's a part of the gospel. Yeah. So the whole touch not the anointed won't won't wash. You know because imagine think about how the apostles died. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Peter was crucified upside down or something. Yeah. Guys were quartered. You know, there's a guy who had I don't know which one it was who had a horse for each limb, and the horses oh. would start moving in different directions oh, and God. pulling him apart. Sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, even John. John.
0: Well, John. Guys were. Yeah, we were plucked out, and they tried like to kill him, but it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and the other guys all died some horrible deaths. Mm. Yeah, really terrible deaths. So, yeah. if you're gonna t- talk about touching not the anointed, <laughs> how does that work in that in the, in, in that scenario? Yeah. I'll just imagine touching not the anointed is a it's a it's it's a declaration, yes, and it's a warning to those that would do that because. You don't know. Sometimes God will take vengeance right away. You know, he will say, What are you doing to my anointed? And then, you know, he will zap you for, uh, you know, ill treating his ministers. Mm. You know, he he could do it right away or he could store up that wrath, you know, in future. Um, And we also need to be aware because Paul was anointed, but he was also one of those who was touching the Lord's anointed, wasn't he? When he was Saul. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. You
0: see, and he was doing that and t- sending people to jail and all that, mm-hmm. but he received mercy from the Lord because he did that in ignorance. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot more for us to look, you know to see, because touch not the Lord's anointed. Usually, comes with come you know send you know back to send uh, or <laughs> Lord crush his teeth or destroy the enemies, yeah. Lord. You know that kind of talk like from the Psalms, mm-hmm. which is not really uh, the kind of heart that we should have as people were in the New Covenant. So the touch not the Lord's anointed is not something that I would imagine has a lot of New Testament application if you're serious about living for the gospel. Uh, Yeah, and, you know, think about it. Jesus said, blessed are you when men persecute Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. you know. So touch not my anointed. Hey, Don't do anything bad to them. Hey, you're actually taking away blessing from them because these persecutions are supposed to work out for them a weight of glory. I'm not saying that, you know, Jesus also said, you know, if you're persecuted in one town, flee to another. I'm not saying be blasé about persecution. Yeah. I'm just saying realize the context in which we live. Don't be so hung up about trying to fight for your reputation or fight for yourself not to be touched, as it were, because part of that is
2: working out for you. Okay, so well. it's yeah. so basically you're saying that uh, when we pull out our touch, not the anointed, and mm-hmm. defending our men of God and mm-hmm. our and our and 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 our fellow anointed, yeah, it's like a Peter moment, you know, yeah. where you know, he tried to defend yes. uh, Jesus when, you know, their time come to arrest him and he yes. cut that guy's ear. Exactly. And, you know, Jesus was like, bruh, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, <laughs> That's okay. those That's who, who shill, live bruh. by the sword would die by the sword. Exactly. <laughs> you know. So it's kind of like what we're doing. We're trying to defend our man of God. Yes. So basically what we're saying is that we really shouldn't be defending them.
0: Not defending. What I would say is um, there's nothing wrong with explaining there's a difference okay. between explaining something to people and defending
2: defending okay sometimes
0: yeah. people say things because they don't understand they heard maybe one clip that was mm. taken out of context yeah, or maybe yeah. one moment that the guy said maybe actually said something wrong you know and, yeah but they don't know the context of his whole ministry yeah sometimes it's just you know it's, it's, it's good to stand up and to uh speak on their behalf for the sake of those who perhaps may hear these guys say this and they make a decision about the person and say that person is bad. Yeah. and so close off blessing for themselves. Maybe someone wants to join their ministry and thinks, ah, I heard this being said, I'm, not, I'm never going to join that church. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, it's important to, to just step up and to say something in defense, as it were in quotes, because the scripture says, Can, you know, contend as one man for the gospel.
2: Okay. Uh,
0: so part of contending for the gospel is also conceivably contending for the servants of the gospel. But you got to be careful how you do it. You can't then be raining fire and sulphur down on people and saying yeah. you are going to be blind. Hey, you spoke against the men of God. You're going to be in trouble. Your finances, yeah, this but is going to happen. that's what happens to you. most of the exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. because people have their heads still in the old covenant, in the old testament way of thinking, and that's what happens. You run a risk. I found such one of these prophets actually saying, please don't don't do that, you know if you want to defend me, love them, you know, but it doesn't work because you've already ginned them up with uh, you touched not the anointed I'm anointed this, and people really feel like you're my father you know, and look come on if if someone says something against your mom, you know you're like you know, you get emotional you
3: feel yeah, yeah
0: if you say you're your actual father, so that relationship and that language just kind of you know, lends itself to touching out my, you know, don't do this. I remember one time there was something in the newspaper where the editor made a mistake or the person uh, had a caption where they referred to the wife of one prophet as the wife of the other.
3: Awesome. Oh, <laughs> And <laughs> the followers.
0: The next day, the followers, the guy, there was a there was a picture sent on groups, on WhatsApp, and so this editor surrounded by irate members of the congregation, like, what are you? What are you trying to prove? What are yeah. you doing? What was yeah. that all about? Yeah. You know, was a simple error, and you know, you, you don't want to have that. I, I would imagine, as a spiritual father, that you, that that would make you happy. If and if that made you happy, then there's an issue. Mm-hmm. I would imagine with you know with the way that you perceive things. Yeah, you know, it just shouldn't be. It's a mistake. They can print a a retraction, apologize, and we move on. Mm. But these are the kind of things that happen when you G people up with these scriptures. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Do the prophets no harm, you know. And not say, guys, these are the things that we're called to. They're saying all these things about me in the newspaper, but when you go to work, because of what you believe, they'll call you pastor, they'll make fun of you, they will refer to you in all sorts of things. This is what we are called to, guys. And the way that we overcome, when we are cursed, we bless. That's what Paul said. Yeah, yeah. So that's my take on that,
3: okay. basically. So I think on the other side of the spectrum, so you've got the touched on my anointed, you know, those people who are just ah, like all aggressive. Then you've got the other people who just... um. Talk smack, unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. Like, is there, and apart from explaining to them, is there no, there's no consequences to those words?
2: Yeah.
0: Well, the, the consequences to their words mm. are with God. Yeah. You know, because as I made the example of Paul earlier, you look at Paul and you think he's not just saying words. He's dragging people to prison. He's getting letters and following people everywhere mm. and dragging them, men and women, and leaving their children without parents. He's standing there, he's watching Stephen being killed, and he's the one with the garments, and he's approving, and he's got his arms folded. And, and, you know, this is a very good thing that's happening. So, yeah. yeah, but then he ends up being the greatest apostle, one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. Mm. So you, you have to leave room for, that's why the Bible says, do not revenge, you know, don't take vengeance upon yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. It is God who will avenge. But then God knows what is to be avenged mm-hmm. and what's not. Uh, There was a guy who stood up against uh, Paul While he was preaching to a proconsul I forget the name of the proconsul But it's in Acts And he was preaching And then this guy stands up And starts opposing uh, Paul And then Paul says Paul, full of the Holy Spirit Said, you always, you know Do what is wrong You're full of all this and that From now on You're not going to be able to see And then immediately Something like a cloud was on his eyes And he could not see And he needed to be laid away And the proconsul saw that and he was like, wow. And then he believed in the Lord. Wow. You know, okay. So this guy's talking smack. and this, He gets into trouble. Then Paul himself had been doing all this stuff. He's, only, he's actually been converted. Yeah. So that's why we need to leave room for the wrath right of God because God is the one who knows the hearts of men. To know this person is just that they don't really know or they're in a moment of ignorance. Mm-hmm. I can turn this around. Mm-hmm. This one, ah, this one must go down. Yeah. So we always leave that to God.
3: I was... Um... Thanks, that was a really good answer. But I was watching this um documentary about—I don't—I won't call it a religion—the Church of Scientology—and uh-huh. one of their. What are
2: the you watching? It's
3: a
1: documentary,
3: guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, and one of their—I um I don't know what exactly you'd call it—but one of their theologies, whatever, is that you're supposed to snitch on each other. So you say. You're a Scientologist, yeah. and you're having doubts about Scientology. You're yeah. not allowed. If you come to me and say, "Hey, bro, do you agree with what they say?" I will just entertain you, but then soon afterwards, I'll write a, to a, a report snitch. and I'll send it to my superior. Next minute, you've been like expelled. So, like they promote that sort of snitching on each other. So, why I'm t- mentioning that is how do we? What is the proper way to bring up concerns that wouldn't be then called gossiping about? Your man of God or whoever, is. okay. Because like, if I have concerns, I'm not gonna go straight to my say and be like, "What are you saying?" I'm gonna go yeah. to my peer and be like, mm, "Did you see what she did on Sunday or he mm-hmm. did on Sunday? Do you agree? Is that biblical? Like, we'll have a conversation, but is mm-hmm. that now gossiping or is that okay?
0: Okay, so what I would say with okay. that is, when you're going to your peer, hopefully, what you're doing is trying to understand first and foremost whether you misheard, you mis. Saw so, if there's such a word, you know, to say, I just need to be sure that what I'm going to then do is is spot on because I don't want to go there and make accusations. You know, it, it, it kills your credibility if you go there and you say stuff and then you find that I actually... The next time you actually have a genuine, you know, issue, people will be like, ah, we are, yeah, we are, we know yeah. that person. <laughs> you know, there are people like that in church. Yeah. And you hear pastors talk about them and say, ah, we know that. Ah, they always have an issue. They always mm-hmm. come. That, that one, that, that mm-hmm. one, ah, yeah, she's, always say, message, she's always complaining about this. She's always got yeah. There will be maybe, she won't like maybe the flowers, or maybe she thinks that the arrangement was not done well, or he thinks that the, you know, the preaching wasn't quite on spot. They're just guys like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you get thrown into that, Basket of guys like that You know So you don't want To be like that I guess So I would hope That the heart Is just to find out If you If you're the one With an an issue Mm -hmm. You know At fault But if you're just Going there to try And gain numbers Whereas people do that Mm -hmm. If you look at Like rebellion And how it works People will Go and Talk to each other first. Mm. You know, Satan rallied a third of the angels and then went and made his case and said, um, "Dada, my God is on the throne. Yeah. Give us a chance." Yeah. You look at Korah's uh, rebellion. Yeah, yeah, but that's the
3: other example that is yeah. used in defense of the men of God. Yeah. You people who are there talking in your little groups, yeah. their ground will swallow you or whatever. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're just, you're, people are scared into silence because they're just like, Brad it happened to the sons of Korah, you never know Yeah, you know.
0: So me. what happens is, again, you know, with some of these men and women of God, unfortunately you've got people are coming from different backgrounds, they got different issues. Sometimes people are, are insecure, they use scripture so that they defend themselves and keep you from coming and having issues. Mm. They don't want to deal with fallout or deal with the, the you know, there's fear of losing people, there's fear of looking like you don't know what you're doing and, mm. you know, you got asked this question and you don't know and then everyone's like, oh, so how do we know that what we're doing is correct <laughs> and then we've been seeding, you know, maybe you're lying to us, you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's it's a huge, huge fear for them. So you would find that they will do that to, to kind of like just to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is that issue, the core rebellion thing. You'll find, you know, even if you look at Absalom, it says that he would stand by the road all the time. Mm-hmm. And when people are coming, you know, he'd, like, he'd say, you know, I wish, yeah, you know, I wish mm-hmm. I could, you know, I could do something about your case. He would hold people. And it says he stole the hearts of the men of Israel that way. Mm-hmm. So there's a going to the people before going to the authority to confront any issue. That's... How rebellion works. Mm-hmm. So that's totally wrong. If there, hopefully there's a there's a process or there's a place for you to be able to go. If you can't go directly to the lead man of God who's got the issue, you could go to one of the pastors. Hopefully. That's what we're talking about, you know, the accountability. Okay. Is that yeah. encouraged? Is that uh, allowed? Then you can go there without and then there's a difference. There's things where you are You've Got issues with what the man of God is doing, and then there's issues to do with the day to day running of church, yeah, where you're not necessarily bringing criticism per se, what you're doing is we can do things better. Mm-hmm. So, what Paul was talking about there to Timothy was when the pastor or the man of God himself is the issue,
2: yeah, okay, yeah,
0: but then there are other issues in church life that you can easily just say, Oh, you know, the way we position that, or You know, did you think perhaps if we had the welcome section happen this way? Or, you know, if we had our uh, worship people wearing uniform, you know, that kind of stuff that you can talk about and discuss and throw ideas around. That's okay. Or it should be. If it's not, what are you doing in that church? Perhaps Mm -hmm. you got to go, you know. Um, But if you're now trying to bring something against the man of God, what we've already discussed before, that process you go to the people who are over him or those that have the capacity to go to those that are over him yeah. and say, this is the issue that I'm facing. This is what I, I need explanation. It depends on the issue. If it's a sin issue, I saw you with another woman, you can't then quite go to him and say, I saw you with a woman, etc. Mm-hmm. Et if it's an issue of doctrine, I need you to explain to me. Yeah. yeah. And there's a way, there's a respectful way. You know, yes, The Bible yes. says, do not you know uh, scold an, or rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him as though he were your father. Mm. That's in First Timothy chapter 5, early on. Um, so it's not, it's not like just blind eye, but how do you do it? You know, uh, Nathan comes to David with a parable. Oh, there's this guy you know he had a, a lamb and then this guy had lots of sheep then this guy he loved this little kid lamb you know and then this guy came when there was a visitor you know and then David gets very angry and says that guy must she pay got- four <laughs> times etc he says you're the guy you, yeah. know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know it's so cool think about it because yeah. now you can't say you have how, how can you pronounce judgment on me you mm. pronounce judgment on yourself yeah because here's the case and you have said with your own mouth a <laughs> person who does this must f- suffer the. Yeah. cause co- you are the guy because yeah. this is what you did yeah you see so it's it's it's, it's rebuke but finding ways to do it one thing i wanted to say Go is about it. don't criticize someone you don't pray for or another way to put yeah, it is that's criticize as <laughs> many people the you know only people you should criticize are the people that you're praying for and you'll find yeah the list will be pretty small because <laughs> it's so much easier to get involved in office banter, you know, and talk about uh, prophets and talk about pastors or you talk about, Hey, you see that, then and, and that Gorgisha was wearing and, you know, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's, so, it's so easy to do that. Yeah. But uh, remember these people are also people who have weakness. They yeah. might not
2: yeah.
0: talk about it all the time, you know, uh, and unfortunately, part of that weakness is that it makes people, as they become more gifted or they are more influenced, makes them less aware. Yeah. Now, True. if you think that God had to uh, allow Satan to send a demon to follow Paul around just so that he wouldn't get, you know, overly um, proud, you know, yeah. because of yeah. the revelations he was getting, just to keep him in check. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal.
2: Yeah,
0: people's hearts are just—you know—it's just something else. What the, the capacity of pride mm. is something else. Mm. So you have to have that in mind to know that you are—you know—being led by someone who's vulnerable and they need your prayers. Yeah. you know, they need your support. There you go. Wow, cool,
3: nice. Thank yeah. you, cool waza, as always, bringing the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you as always, and um, if you do have any more. This is now to our listeners. If you do have any more <laughs> suggestions for topics you want us to discuss here, we would be happy to entertain those. Right. So I am T
2: and I'm Kent,
3: and this is our resident theologian, Coolaza.
2: Leaving the building. Cool. <laughs> <Leave them laughs> <Nicole's in. laughs> Cheers. Fantastic!
3: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast If you want to make a contribution make a suggestion or have a request you can get in touch with us via email on radiant@thehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know God bless
1: It's hot, it's fresh, it's uncut Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant
2: Culture Podcast